We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It is an extremely live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. I'm here with Maddie Lane and solely Maddie Lane. I scared Craig off with 21 questions earlier this week, and so he just decided not to show up tonight in protest. Maddie, I think I can scare you off tonight. Oh, can you do it in the first five minutes and then you can just <laughs> carry the show and like we'll just see where it goes from there? I, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know the longest I've monologued. I don't know. You and Craig are probably timed it out, but I don't know if I can do 37 minutes of, of, monologue. I think you've done it. <laughs> I think when Rant Swanson comes out <laughs> specifically as it pertains to Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, you have definitely. No, I don't think the burrow has been has gotten as long because you get too amped up. You peak too early and you can't maintain. It's a crash. So uh, it's definitely Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Maddie, I know we talked about youthful Regis maybe making an appearance and you had some ideas before Craig had to back out and I'm not going to be here on Thursday or apparently yeah. the next three Thursdays. So are we? Is that is that game just going to be dead? You think? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. I think it's more of a, it's it's kind of a timely thing, right? And yeah. I don't think we are going to have all of us together at any point in time to put, to get youthful Regis back here. You know, he's he's a big wig. He's a big name. I can't pull him back here for just one of you guys. I understand. You know I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. So I, I know you had a game around like ESPN's top 10 at every position. And I did happen to see yeah. who number two was in the ESPN top 10 quarterbacks. And Joe Burrow is huh. not the number two quarterback in the, uh, in the NFL. Uh, a lot he, of a lot of people apparently thought so because it apparently if you read it, um, Josh Allen wasn't even close to being number two. It was Mahomes and Burrow were by far and away uh, one two. Josh Allen was comfortably third, and then uh, you know the, kind of everybody else. Um, so yeah, that that was a little surprising to me that uh, that Burrow was a comfortable two 
over Josh Allen. I mean, like if I was voting, I would have put Josh Allen up there on number two. Burrow would have probably been my three, if I'm being honest and not following the bit of last week. But yeah, so that, that's about where it went. Uh, yeah, I uh, give me Josh Allen. It's my guy. I love yeah. Josh Allen. Did you see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes celebrating Josh Allen's near hole in one? Like they're boys. I did man. not. They're like they're like it's like it's like a fun dynamic that's like very it, like if the Bills were if the, if the Bills were to advance to the Super Bowl I would root for them 10 times out of 10. I adore Bills Mafia. I adore the Bills fans. They're wonderful. And I actively root for Josh Allen when I'm not rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the dynamic between those two. No chance that that dynamic exists between Burrow and Mahomes. Just no chance. Okay, so Last week I would have last week I would have run with that and drug Joe Burrow into the dirt because of what you're saying. But I, this week I'm decided to turn over a new leaf. I'm being slightly nice to the uh, Cincinnati Fraud Ghouls led by Big Daddy Lou. Um, I think it could never exist because I think Joe Burrow's got that weirdly over competitiveness that Patrick Mahomes has, and there's no chance that Joe Burrow would be buddy buddy to a guy that is winning all the Super Bowls and his conference and just beat him to go to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, if the roles were flipped with him and Josh Allen, I don't think he'd be buddy buddies with Josh Allen. Hmm. I don't think Mahomes would be sitting here looking at the Bills running the AFC and the NFL and having two Super Bowl wins coming off of one and being a buddy buddy with that guy. I think he'd be pissed off and not want anything to do with him. Uh, that's just that's what that's the vibe I get from Patrick Mahomes. I think he's kind of that petty and competitive, not in a bad way, just that competitive. And I kind of think Burrow's that way. And I don't think it's a bad thing that Josh Allen isn't. I just, I don't think he's wired the same way Burrow and Mahomes are in that regard. Real quick, uh, before we get into everything, uh, the KCSN golf tournament is in about a week and a half. Uh, if you are wanting to maybe sponsor a hole at the KCSN golf tournament, there are still a few spots available for that. Basically, everything else is about wrapped up. Uh, but you can, uh, if you would like to, you know, sponsor a hole at KC Sports Network's golf tournament, uh, you can uh, reach out to Christian Gumminger. You can reach out to BJ Kissel. Um, you can reach out to me if you'd like. Just hit me up. Be more than happy to uh, to discuss that with you as well. Uh, but please feel free to hit the like button. Please feel free to hit the subscribe button. Appreciate everybody that's hanging out with us. Uh, the monologues uh, has already begun because Maddie Lane is tapped out. And now I've got to hang out here for a second and try to figure some things out. Uh, oh, look, Maddie's back. I thought you were trying to make me monologue here. Oh, no, uh, it was great. Uh, every now and then my camera likes to disconnect. And mm. so has done that. And I, I have returned. That's good. You know who's, uh, well, you know, who's not returning uh, to the Chiefs. He's not returning to the Chiefs because he's never on the Chiefs. I, DeAndre Hopkins is not it Arrowhead uh, this year. How about that? There it is. That's it. Yeah. You know, I messed you up there by dipping out and coming back in. So, like, I'm going to take partial blame for whatever that, that no, fumble was. No, no, no. We're having a good time. We're having a good time here. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins is signed with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Look, kind of wondered maybe if if he was going to hold out long enough to see if the Chiefs involved got involved. Maddie, I know before we get into the DeAndre Hopkins stuff, maybe maybe your theory is correct that that the Chris Jones deal is more or less close to done, and they know the framework of what they can get done with DeAndre Hopkins, and it's not anywhere near what DeAndre Hopkins eventually signed for. 
I mean, yeah, that's my read on the situation, right? Everything that DeAndre Hopkins has kind of said has, you know, led one to think that he's going to pick a contender, right? Is that where he wants to play? But then every step along the way, he's like, hey, I need more money from you. I need more money from you. It got to the point where he said, I have offers from Team X and Team Y, but hey, if any of you good teams want to offer me the same, please, I'll come to you. And I think we finally got the point. You know, we figured out the range that Chris Jones is going to make his money in. The Chiefs now know for a fact the general range that he's going to be in. They know how much money they could now have allotted to spend on DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they do all their cap wizardry where they just throw numbers around in the air and catch them and pull out whatever number they want. They send it to his agent, and he's like, oh, that's a lot less than the Titans are willing to offer me. Is there any way you can close that gap? Chiefs say, nah, we really can't. Or they just simply say, we don't want to. And DeAndre Hopkins says, okay, fine, deuces. I'm going to I'm gonna go catch the bag and go play with Ryan Tannehill in, in Nashville. Two years, $26 million, uh guarantee for DeAndre Hopkins. Incentives up to $32 million over the next two years for a receiver that is over the age of 30. Um, I don't think the Chiefs were going to be in on the APY, the number of years, the number of guarantees. I'm not even sure they would make it to the up to. On like 16 million, I don't know if they'd get to the up to. I think that they got they were gonna get beat every single category on that DeAndre Hopkins contract. If it, that's what it was gonna take, I don't think the Chiefs were sniffing it. I genuinely don't think that they were gonna come close to being able to hit those numbers. Um, Sophia Serrano asked if if DeAndre Hopkins is a top 12 to 15 wide receiver next year, isn't 226 a massive steal? Uh yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Um and, you know, it, there's I, I think there's question marks about DeAndre Hopkins. And there's uh, there always has been, you know, you, you, you talk about within the framework of, you know, like there's 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 negatives. I don't negatives aren't the right word. There are downsides to what you're getting with DeAndre Hopkins. You're not going to see him in practice a ton unless those practice habits change and the expectations for practice habits change. That's kind of a tricky one when it comes to trying to get a guy involved that hasn't been with the team this entire offseason. So it may not necessarily be the most hit the ground running. And again, like I don't want to make it and, and frame this like we're I'm talking myself out of DeAndre Hopkins. Like these are just the downsides and upsides of it that we've spent the entire offseason talking about the pros and cons of signing DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but you know, two two year guaranteed deal on a guy that's 31, 32 years old. There's there's enough there that like I'm not. I'm not disappointed that the Chiefs didn't give that deal out to DeAndre Hopkins, Maddie. Yeah, I mean, I I think the deal... So, I'm on both sides of this, I guess. I think the deal's very good for DeAndre Hopkins because I think he still does have something left in the tank. For sure. Um, so, I think that deal is completely fine. If the Chiefs had signed him for that deal, I would have absolutely zero qualms with it. I would be hmm. like, no, good deal. That's fine. They just signed their wide receiver one for $13 million a year, right? Like, that's absolutely fine. I also know the Chiefs were never going to touch those numbers for a guy of his age coming at the point in his career where he is, where he's potentially, you know, just kind of coming in for a year or two max. So there was no chance the Chiefs were going to go to that high. I I don't know if I don't think they would do two years or touch the uh like the top end money, the up to amount of that, but I think the base was going to be significantly lower than what the Titans were willing to offer. Like I don't think there would be near as much safety in coming to the Chiefs. And I just, I, I think that's where the difference lies, but I still think it was a good deal for uh, Nuke. And I don't blame the Chiefs for not matching it, I guess. Like, this is kind of one of those things where I'm not upset um, that the Chiefs didn't do it. I'm not also happy that they skipped out on the deal. It just is what it is. He chose a little more money 
to go be the best wide receiver for a different team than whatever the Chiefs wanted or could offer him. Not a competitor. <laughs> Not a contender. Uh, I don't think. I, mean, I don't. I just. It's also the Titans. What we're two years removed from them having like the best record, right? In the AFC. Like, I mean, like. I yeah, get it. but like, I get it. It They're didn't not, I, feel right when it happened, and it wasn't no, right. I, they lost their first playoff game. No, I know they're not. They're not what we think is a contender, right? They're not. But if Ryan Tannehill magically reappears back to that same level of player where they're catching the league by storm, and now they have DeAndre Hopkins who is doing AJ Brown esque, you know, production, not things, but production, and you have Traylon Burks and Derrick Henry's healthy again, and somehow that offensive line that looks abysmal plays a lot better. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a long road to get there to the mega contender. And I don't think they are, but it's just, you know, I, I get it. It's not a bottom of the barrel team. It's not signing with the Patriots. I don't think they're winning the AFC South. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins changes their outlook on winning the AFC South. And I think that they're just the same meh team that they were last year personally. Uh, but DeAndre Hopkins got paid good for him. It's not with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not with a contender. Um, I did. It did sound like there was some reports that Andy Reid was texting DeAndre Hopkins throughout the process. Probably, it sounds like the Juju Smith-Schuster playbook: texting and pictures of Super Bowls. And Juju got yeah. it wrong the first time, came back around the next year, agreed, signed, and guess what? He got a Super Bowl ring. I'm just, you yeah, know, Andy. Andy definitely. Yeah, no. Andy definitely. Done. He was involved. It does sound like Andy Reid was involved. So. I think the Chiefs were in. They just were going to dictate things on their terms. And here's the thing. That's what they've done this entire offseason. The way that they've, they've approached... Done their entire tenure. Yeah, I, it, I feel like it's been a lot more lately. Like, I think as Mahomes' contract... I think a they bit more draw expect- incredibly hard lines in the sand. And they say, if you want to come play for us and we see ourselves as a contender, as the cream of the crop, here's our hard line. We're not going over it. Like, I I don't think they expect guys to take less, but I feel like they're going to come up with a hard line and they're not budging off of it. And it seems like their hard line is a lot lower than what market value is on a lot of players. I mean, that's kind of been the tenure over uh, the past three years, probably. I think when Brett Veach first took over, he threw some money around. But the last, like, three-ish years, it's been it kind of felt more like that. I think since the first Super Bowl, it's kind of been that approach. Like, I think that's when, like, they started to kind of draw harder lines in the sand. And I think you see it more and more, um, you know, and like, Hey, look, it ha- like they drew a hard line in the sand with Tyreek Hill. I think Chris Jones is getting done. I still maintain. I believe that that deal is getting done. Uh, that would be I, one of the more, that'd be a, that'd be a pretty substantial contract that they, this team hands out. But I do think that there's for specific players and, you know, not necessarily, not just luxury, but like, you know, some of these types of guys, I think there is a there is a hard line in the sand. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about the receiver room that is in Kansas City right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Thanks, everybody, hanging out. Please feel free to hit that like button. Feel feel free to hit that subscribe button. Uh, Feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. That helps us grow KC Sports Network. Uh, It helps us with all the algorithms and all that good stuff. You're not going to want to miss what we've got going on here at KCSN during Chief season. We're a week and a half away from you know training camp beginning in earnest, and from there on out, it is going to be absolute insanity. And we don't just stop at the end of the season; we take you all the way through the draft uh, and into the off season. Uh, so just just make sure you're subscribing and staying on with all all the stuff that we've got going on. Okay, so DeAndre Hopkins is out of the picture. And we've spent some time this offseason talking about the wide receiver position. And I don't know. We still don't know a ton. And I was thinking about this today, Maddie. Like, uh, you can operate. And even as the, like when, when, when people on the outside looking in are looking at a football team, right? Like, and that's what we do. That's what a lot of people are doing. There's a whole industry around it. And you guys are listening to us talk about the Chiefs from the outside. You can have a mystery a big mystery on a team heading into an offseason and find a lot of success. You know, you can see teams answering questions about some of these big mysteries. I feel like the Chiefs are a mystery at the wide receiver position. And it's it's not that we don't know a lot of the elements about this about this group. It's just that you don't know we we don't have a good feel on a on a guy like Kadarius Tony whose health's been in question since he entered the league. You saw Sky Moore, and obviously it sounds like there's some optimism that he's gained some trust with the coaching staff, which could be mapped in, in the quarterback, which is huge for his projection if he's going to make it uh, and, and play at a high level. You don't know much about Rasheed Rice's transition. You don't know if Marquez Valdez-Scantling can you know, elevate himself beyond what he's been to this point in the league. You know, you've got some pieces like Richie James. You've got all these different guys... I think there's just a ton of question marks about their fit in Kansas City, their roles in Kansas City, their projections in Kansas City. And there's some scheme questions too, but it's just not that this group is bad. Not that this group is good. I think it's just a big question mark where you're going to have to learn the answers as you go on the fly. And it's the least 
stable that the wide receiver position's been since Patrick Mahomes took over at the quarterback position for this team. And I, you could probably argue the least stable it's been since maybe 2013. Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know. We had a no touchdown year. So, I mean, like. What was that, 14? <laughs> you know. I believe so. Was it okay. not? Anywho, yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. You're right. Anywho, uh, so the wide receiver, I, I think it's correct to say that it's an unknown. It's not necessarily the, the unit is not bad in itself. Um, it's definitely a it's a big unknown right now, and I think there is a reason that you can be optimistic, and I think it's fair for some fans to be pessimistic about through some people. I had this conversation with somebody on Twitter and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting who it was, but like some fans are always going to navigate towards just being optimistic and having faith in whatever a team that has proven to be very good at doing this, being very good at running a football team and creating a champion and managing it is just going to do it and it's going to be right. And they have faith that it's just going to work because they have no real reason to think it won't. And other fans would like to see a little bit of proof. They would like to see how you're getting to that answer along the way. They would like to see a little bit. They need to see something for them to buy in that something is going to work. And right now the Chiefs wide receiver room is like the perfect picture of that. Fans that want to be more optimistic about it and want to have that faith are going to believe that Kadarius Tony is going to play like a round one wide receiver. And that one of, if not both of Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice are going to take, are going to show up and start playing like a round two wide receiver. And maybe Richie James you know is able to replicate his production of last year with the Giants and MVS continues to progress in a different new system like Justin Ross returns to his freshman year college form like there's reasons that all those things could happen then on the other hand somebody that want, that needs to have it proven to them a little bit more to buy in is going to see that well, Kadarius Tony's never really been a real wide receiver why are we to think that he's going to be now? Sky Moore struggled to get on the field as a rookie. He's still a guy coming from Western Michigan up to the NFL. He's only two years removed from that. Rasheed Rice is a rookie and a offense that historically hasn't got a ton of production out of guys that aren't studs at the wide receiver position as a rookie. Like, what is the rationale to buy in yet there? So, like, I think both sides of that are correct. And it's just a matter of where you fall on it. And ultimately, it's just a position of unknown guys. You don't know what you have. And I think that creates. Not not anything bad. It doesn't make the football team mad bad, but it makes it uncertain. It creates uncertainty amongst the wide receiver room and part of the, a part of the offense. And I, as someone that is a little bit more skeptical of the totality of the room, I think there is a little bit of comfort in two things. So, you know, you yes, you are at you are looking at all these guys in this in this receiver room and saying they all have to do something that they haven't done before to take a step right or just just like you're looking at these guys with an expectation that they all need to do something to take a step it, it, the truth of the matter is not all of them are going to but some of them are and like that's most likely one or two or three of these guys are going to exceed the expectations that you have if you are trying to stay rational to what they've done historically what they you know might do in this this next season here in Kansas City there's going to be some guys that are going to exceed expectations. You know, Kadarius Tony's going to be healthy for 15 games. You know, uh, Rasheed Rice is going to be more immediate uh, to to this Chiefs team and, and this offense than you think. There's going to be some. There's going to be some combination of two or three of the guys that are going to probably exceed expectations. It's just a matter of who it is and if that's enough still.
you know, and like for the Chiefs, like if perfect scenario, if I'm if I'm a Chiefs fan, I want Kadarius Tony to stay healthy. I want Sky Moore to take a step and I want Rasheed Rice to outdo the production of Sky Moore from last season and then some. Like if those three things happen, I feel pretty good about it. If you tell me those three things happen, I think this this wide receiver room looks fantastic. You know, or maybe not fantastic. It's not an elite room. It's I feel I feel great based on where I feel about it right now, if that makes sense. I'll, I'll feel fantastic if those three things happen at the end of the year. And if, if that's the case, um, any concerns that I have, I'm just gonna be like, well, look what just happened, you know? And so, I mean, I, I gotta say this, first of all, it, the big thing is the chiefs do have uh MVS still, which means that they're going to stomp the frogles out yet again, because MVS <laughs> is still on the team and they don't know how to cover them at all. Yeah. So because he's still around, they're already better than the frogles. That's first of all. Uh, second of all, yeah, I mean, if those three things happen, that obviously goes a long way for the Chiefs. And like ultimately, that kind of rounds out, I guess, the the off season, like the off season goals of trying to fix the what could be the fatal flaws of this team. It's like I guess this transitions to a bigger point. Entering the off season, the Chiefs kind of had three potential fatal flaws that they had to fix. The first one, the pass rush. It was spotty last year at times, and then they lose Frank Clark and technically Carlos Dunlap. Uh, to free agency. So what do they do? They go sign Charles O'Minihue and they draft Felix and Zoma in the first round. They try to add pass rushers to fix that flaw. I'm not saying it is fixed, but they they put things there to put in place to help the pass rush that that can't be a fatal flaw come playoff time. Next was the offensive tackle position. They needed to find a way to replace Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. when it became obvious they weren't going to get him. They went Jawan Taylor and they also brought in Donovan Smith. And they, you know, they did also draft Wanya Morris in the third round. So, like, they added bodies to that spot, too. The one area they really haven't fixed at all is the wide receiver spot, right? There's one area on the team. When Travis Kelsey is getting a lot of attention as being covered, who is who have they added? What are they going to do to get open? They lost the guy they relied on to do that last year in Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a free agent. The Chiefs didn't really fix that. I'm not saying this is going to cause them to lose, but it, it's the last thing that they haven't fixed that is the foreseeable or potential fatal flaw this team has going into the playoffs. So you hope Kadarius Tony stays healthy and takes a step forward. You hope Sky Moore develops or takes a step forward and becomes that guy. You hope these things can happen, but if not, like it, I mean, again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that is the final step kind of that could be their Achilles heel going into the season. And that's the one thing that not being able to sign, I think DeAndre Hopkins kind of showed up on. I think the I couple thoughts. I'll start with some of the, I don't know if negative is the right word. Just the things that like the red flags for me is, you know, they've answered some of the questions along the offensive line with a guy like, you know, the, Donovan Smith might be fine at the left tackle position. Uh, I think the, I think the wide receiver room could be pretty fragile. And I think where you, there's a little bit of concern is if, you know, if Kadarius Tony can't stay healthy now, it's, it's not too far removed from, what they lined up with in the AFC championship game, <laughs> you know, now to be fair, Mahomes still made it work. <laughs> like, And that's, I think that's one of the overarching thoughts I have is last year. I made a veiled threat to the AFC. I said, you better, you better get it right. This time you all are making your runs. You're all spending all your money. You're all doing all this. And the chiefs are out here collecting assets, collecting veteran rookie contracts, collecting draft capital for the future. They're building this team. You better win it before the Chiefs 
if, if, if Patrick Mahomes can take that team to the Super Bowl, you're in trouble. Well, now the veiled threat is, it's, just, it's not a veiled threat, but it's if the wide receiver position works out this season with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and everything is fine and Donovan Smith at left tackle is no building. Like they, they're slowly almost, not that they're not devoting assets to the offense. They totally are. Like they just spent a bunch of money on Juwan Taylor. Maybe we don't feel as settled or comfortable with some of the choices they're making on the offensive side of the ball and just hoping Patrick Mahomes can make them right. If they can, yikes. Like, good luck, NFL. If the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with this group, mercy. Because this is just a machine that will not stop, cannot stop. There's no, like, next offseason, we can just go, I, you know, I... I know Craig's playing left tackle this year, but <laughs> Mahomes will figure it out. Like, who are we kidding? Like, that's well, right. what it, and that's that's what you're getting to, right? Is like, I, I guess my approach when you kind of hit off season to thinking about how a team's going to build is you see what you have and where you win, and then you see what you don't have and how you can possibly lose, and you try to add as many places that you know that can help you win. You try to fix as many places that can you know cause you to lose, right? It's not. It's not groundbreaking. It's pretty basic stuff. But when you look at the Chiefs over the past few years, they've definitely had clear ways they can lose. And some years, it's been a reason that they lost. Other years, it hasn't mattered because they have a Patrick Mahomes and a Travis Kelsey and an Andy Reid and these guys that are stepping up. So it's no guarantee they're going to win or lose based on. I just, To me, wide receiver was kind of the last way that they can lose is this not having somebody that can reliably be that you know, second option to Travis Kelsey when teams are taking them away and just not fixing that spot. Not that they haven't given themselves options, but they don't have a guy that can consistently and reliably do that right now. But as the year progresses, they might. And to your point there, it's like, if last year's team goes and wins the Super Bowl and this year's team with the changes, they I mean, not only do they lose, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, who I know some fans kind of look not down upon, but like think he was just a jag running around out there, just another guy. I think he was a lot better than that, but they lose him and they don't really bring in someone to replace him. So if they can somehow repeat the same level of offensive performance without, without Juju Smith-Schuster, with replacing both offensive tackles, one of which it got an older veteran coming off of his worst season by far and Donovan Smith to play left tackle, and they can play the same offensively. They come out and they have the same level of play. They go to another Super Bowl. They win another Super Bowl, whatever it may be. It's just, what do you do then, right? Like, to your point, like, just what do you do? I had a question for you. This offense, right now, do you think the offense this year is better on paper than last year's offense? Or do you think last year's offense was better on paper? I'm going to answer that question right after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Addy asked me before the break if I think on paper this offense is better than last year's. I still, I like last year's offense better. I think on paper I like last year's offense a little bit better, better than I do this year because I do think that there is a more steady presence in the receiver room like a Juju Smith-Schuster. I do think the funny thing is, I wonder if there's a little bit of revisionist history there, in my opinion, though. Because I think going into Juju, going into the offseason, it was all about, well, if Juju stays healthy. If Juju stays healthy. It felt like a big question last year. I think there was a little bit higher level of confidence that he would, and it probably has to do with the track record that we'd seen where he had done it for a complete season, where like we're having some of these questions about Kadarius Tony, and he hasn't done it yet. Whereas we've seen a sample size of Juju Smith-Schuster doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you. Um, I think the wide receiver room was more proven uh, going into last year. I think they're, this year's wide receiver room I probably has a higher ceiling. It definitely has a higher athletic ceiling. Uh, probably a slightly higher football ceiling if Kadarius Tony stays healthy and starts really putting it all together. If Sky Moore takes that jump, Rice maybe hits the ground running. Richie James is there. Justin, like if they, all these guys can kind of hit the ground running, there's probably a higher ceiling, but right now, none of them are as reliable as the wide receiver room was last year when you had Juju Smith-Schuster and even to some extent, McCole Hardman, who knew the offense. He was a guy that had a role in this offense. He did the gadget plays, but he did also stretch the field vertically with his speed. They actually don't really have that guy right now. MVS is an outside vertical threat, but they don't have that slot wide receiver that's been a proven vertical threat in the NFL. You kind of hope Tony can do it. Maybe a Richie James can. Maybe maybe that's where John Ross even pushes to make this team is another just true burner to take the top off. But they lost that, and they lost Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, and Orlando Brown Jr. was a quality left tackle, and Andrew Wiley was a serviceable right tackle. You have no guarantee that you're getting that same level of offensive tackle play from Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. I think you will, but there's just less guarantee of it right now because we don't know where Donovan Smith is out. So yeah, I think on paper, last year's offense was probably a smidge better. It felt very set it and forget it along the offensive line last year because you saw them perform at a high level at left tackle and right tackle last season. And Andrew Wiley played really, really well late in his season prior. And so it didn't feel like you had any questions about the offensive line. You could deal with Orlando Brown at left tackle and Andrew Wiley was serviceable. And then you had a little bit more steady presence along the offensive line. All right, one more thing before we move on to some of these defensive storylines in training camp. Um, is what the Chiefs have on paper enough to keep teams in zone coverage? So what I'm no, like no. we were talking about this a little bit today, and like there has been hiccups on this team in in moments in spurts where teams have just challenged them with man coverage, and the Chiefs haven't had great answers and haven't always consistently you know been able to beat it. A little bit that's the talent. Obviously, I think the Chiefs have become more insulated with their scheme 
not that they've never had, they've always had man beaters. I think they've been better and more intentional with some of their man beaters. Mahomes has gotten better. Mahomes has used his legs from time to time. But is if the game plan, like if you, it, w- it wouldn't stun me to see uh, the game plan be double Kelsey, play man coverage, let Mahomes beat you with his legs a little bit. And yeah, let's just put Mahomes in harm's way and let him run a bunch. Like I, I, I don't like that thought process i guess if that's you know some of the line of thinking and i, I don't really want to see mahomes having to use his legs to beat man coverage more than than you have to no i mean for, for sure and i think i don't think you're going to see any less man coverage this year i think teams will do a lot of the same stuff you're going to get a lot of zone on early downs and then the good defenses the good defensive coaches are going to hit you with man coverage on third down a lot they'll probably continue to play a lot of two man and that's where Mahomes legs can really be a fact, right? That's where his legs really become a big thing. Or that's when you start getting some of these mesh routes or some of these kind of delayed dump offs to guys like to, to a running back or a second tight end or something to kind of become a big deal. I'm interested if teams start going man coverage and then just stay in a single high. So playing man free a little bit more and having a quarterback spy, or at least having an extra underneath zone defender that can work with Mahomes. You got two things here. One, it'll challenge the Chiefs to win vertically. And like I said earlier, they don't have as many burners of as many proven vertical deep threats as they've had in the past. And two, Mahomes hasn't been great at throwing those. So do you want to challenge him to make those vertical outside kind of throws and then play man coverage underneath? So I, I think they see a lot of man coverage. Um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster isn't known for being a man beater, but like last year when they threw him the ball and against man coverage, you get 75% completion percentage. That was the highest on the team out of all the wide receivers. His yards per target against man coverage, second highest to only MVS, but MVS is only catching 50% of the passes thrown his way versus man coverage. So it was, hey, he's the vertical threat. Juju Smith-Schuster was your secondary you know, possession receiver versus man coverage, and you lost that guy. Someone has to come take over that role. Someone has to live in the short to intermediate range versus man coverage. Who's it going to be? Kadarius Tony hasn't proven to be that guy. Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, nobody's really proven to be that guy as of yet. So they are missing another weapon they had versus man coverage. I think teams are going to challenge them that way frequently early in the season. We'll just kind of have to see what their answers are. Wide receiver seven, Justin Ross. That's the answer. <laughs> That's a profile of a man beater right there. I know. Let's get out. Let's get out of this and talk a little bit about just a few defensive storylines in training camp before we before we get out of here. I actually have one off the top, Matthew. Perfect. Unless you unless you have a, a ton. No, rip I, it. I don't want to be here. I have eight, so <laughs> I'm kidding. I just want to see Craig's, the look on you your get, face. You, get you, you had to talk about defense that long. So did you get Craig's notes? One of the things I'm very curious about is and like oh hey i'm curious about the rookie defensive ends i'm kind of curious about what the defensive ends the rookie defensive end roles that they can carve out felix and udike uzama has had a little bit of a slow start because he hasn't been able to be a full participant in the chiefs mini camp and the otas you know what's the role and what's the niche he's able to kind of you know carve out in year one but also the same with bj thompson um I, he's a guy that is more of a project, but he might have to find some kind of role in some capacity to hold on to the 53 man roster spot. Now that he's going to be active every single week, but we've talked a little bit about this. It's his body, how he looks, you know, 
what's he able to do against the run, all that kind of stuff. The rookie defensive ends and the roles that they're able to carve out in year one is something I'm quite fascinated with, especially for like with BJ Thompson. It's like, can he even stick around on the roster? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's something to definitely keep your keep an eye on. And I think camp, you know, training camp is, I think, going to give you the answer to where they fall in the roster. But you're going to see how well a guy like BJ Thompson, who is making a significant step up in level of competition, and just as much like his body needs to add mass and strength. How does he look compared to pro athletes? Does he look like a guy that desperately needs to add some weight and get used to the speed and the strength of everything that is going on in the football field, or does he look like he belongs? Because I think that'll go a long way. I, I anticipate Felix to look a little bit more like he belongs just like physically. I, I think it might be a little shocking when people go there. Uh, I feel like he might be kind of narrow. Like he just, to me, he looks like he has a very narrow body type. So I think it might surprise people that are used to, you know, Steve Spagnuolo type of defensive ends. And then to see Felix out there who I think has a really narrow waist. And I don't think has particularly, you know, it's just not a broad guy. Not that he's not dense or strong. He's just not big. And so I think that'll be a little shocking, but I still think he'll, uh, he'll sit out there and uh, stand up well physically. I'm intrigued on BJ Thompson there as well. Uh, my first Hold one. It. Real quick, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Um, I think it, it is going to be something. I'll just forewarn you all. And just, you know, a few things you hear too. I think the thresholds on Steve Spagnolo are going to have to be not examined because I still think there is a preference, but I think there is a little bit more willingness to have a guy like like a BJ Thompson on their roster than there's ever been. So that's something like there are definitely still fits and prototypes for Steve Spagnolo defensive ends, but I they're not I don't think it's completely ex, it's it's not completely excluding some guys that might be available moving forward. So that's something that's going to be worth paying attention to I think when it comes to the prototype for speech. Steve Spagnuolo defensive ends. Anyways, oh back. Gosh. See, you wanted to get out of here but now you're going to get me on the tangent over the Steve Spagnuolo thresholds and like this is only your fault now. This that's is fine. your fault. Just um, I starting with the 49ers a couple years ago and the way they've run their defensive end room. And then you look at the Titans, two teams whose pass rush have generally given the chiefs a lot of trouble. Um, if you look at how they do it, like there's a lot of games, they have a lot of talent. Yes. And yes. But if you watch what their defensive ends do one defensive end is rushing with power. He's trying to go through a tackle. He's maybe even making an inside move. The opposite defensive end is rushing deep up the arc. He's not worried if he gets a little too deep. He's not worried if he's getting 10 yards, 11 yards deep and running around the arc. His job is to win deep. So what you're doing is you're creating a high-low from the outside spots. What this does, especially against quarterbacks in the modern day where they're very athletic, this quarterback, he's either going to step up in the pocket to get away from the deep rush, and that's where you have the power rusher or the underneath rusher coming in off the edge. Or he's going to get deep and try to work around, and then you have the guy come over the top. Think back to the Titans games when the Chiefs offense was stymied. How many times Mahomes got hit trying to get too deep in the pocket because there was a uh, defensive end crashing into his lap from one side. Then you had somebody screaming off the edge, 12, 13 yards deep off the other side, running around Orlando Brown Jr. like he was standing still, but it was the depth. The depth was the issue. So I, I do think you might see the Chiefs start to give a little bit on some of these Steve, Steve Spagnolo defensive end profiles because they might be trending that direction too. A more speed-reliant rusher and then a more power-reliant rusher, and you just attack different levels of the pocket. You're no longer – rush lanes are no longer just vertical, you know, A, B, C, D, you know, and so on and so forth you now have levels. They're now worried about levels and not just rush lanes. You need to attack all the levels because of how mobile quarterbacks are. 
I do wonder if you see the Chiefs trend that direction because of the teams that have had success against them. Sorry for the little tangent here, but this is something that's been on my mind, and I do think you see the Chiefs heading that direction. That said, the thing I already see in camp, who's the dime linebacker? Is it Nick Bolton? Hmm. Is he splitting reps? Is Drew Tranquil out there calling plays with the second unit? And then is he getting dime reps, or is he just playing Mike with the second unit? How does it look? What's the shakeup? Is Willie Gay calling plays of the second unit? Is Leo Schnell, who's calling plays of the second unit? And then who's getting reps as the dime linebacker, first and second team? I'm just trying to mostly curious where Drew Tranquil sits, who's calling plays on the defensive side of the ball. Cause I think I, I'm sitting there right now. I think Drew Tranquil plays the second most linebacker snaps for this team. I think he plays at minimum the second most. He might compete for the most if he takes over that dime linebacker role because he would never come off the field. I'm not sure he's not playing it starting in the nickel and staying on the field for the dime. But like, I, I think he's coming for that dime linebacker role. And I wonder how early that'll be seen in camp. I, yeah. And I think that the thing I'm most interested in when it comes to the, the training camp story arc for Drew Tranquil is just specifically the dime spot, because I could see them load management, you know, snap management him where maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's not the second team Mike and all that stuff because they're just trying to help manage his load and they want to, you know, feel calm, you know, feel confident that they're giving him enough ample rest as they're kind of ramping up. But it is how quickly is he in the dime? And so sometimes there's surprises, you know, you're just kind of surprised to see guys there day one of training camp. You know, we've seen uh who was the the her uh Herb Miller just sneaking in and getting like second team reps as a as a undrafted free agent, just rolling in there, actually getting a few reps with the ones and stuff like that. But like it's one of those things where like Creed Humphrey, you know, he day one i believe center and didn't look back and there wasn't even like a fake competition right how quickly is is drew tranquil inserted that position i think drew tranquil will be that spot i think it could be a day one thing and the, the by all indications the chiefs are very happy with where he's been mentally as they've been going through this entire process so i think he's a guy that could have earned quick trust with them and if that's the case i i don't know why you don't put a guy like him as your dime linebacker from day one. I'm with you. That's why I'm excited to say I, I want to see it. Cause I think if you don't get to see much of it in camp, I wouldn't be expecting it early on in the NFL season, right? Like that's where you're going to start to see these things take place. And if you don't see that in camp, I not that it's necessarily a cause for worry because the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with Nick Bolton as their dime linebacker. So like they clearly have something that works in that spot. I just think that's a clear spot where there's room for improvement, getting a better athlete on the field, getting a, a guy more comfortable in coverage on the field. So I am curious if that's the way it's going to play out in their mind as well uh, at training camp. Uh, and, do you have another storyline? Oh, well, sorry. just real, the barrier of entry for, for, you know, for the Chiefs seems to be mental acuity and communication and all that stuff. And so I think that's why it was hard for some of these other, I think it, it's a little bit telling this is not a dunk on Nick Bolton. It's just, he doesn't have elite range and coverage the way like a Drew Tranquil does, but there's nobody that they've trusted with maybe a different athletic profile, more length athleticism to do what, you know, to do what Nick Bolton has done in the dime. I think Drew Quint Tranquil is a guy that can clear those and build that trust enough that he can do it. So, and no, you go, you go, Maddie. What's your next? Megan. Point? Ooh. Okay. Uh, we, we talked a lot to start the show about the wide receiver room, maybe not being excellent, maybe not being this, a bunch of high profile guys. I'm intrigued to see the cornerback room go up against them. I want to see, I want to see Trent McDuffie look like a great corner going up against these chiefs wide receivers and it's training camp. 
it's going to be slanted towards the wide receivers. I want to be very clear. Training camp is slanted towards the wide receivers. Okay. It's a lot more stuff is going to break their way than a defensive backs way. However, I think there's probably enough skill gap. If Trent McDuffie is kind of what I think he is right now. And what it seems like his play indicates compared to what we know of the chiefs wide receivers right now, that he should really flash during training camp. You go back to when the chiefs had Marcus Peters, you know, he looked really good in training camp. Like he did, he looked really good. And yet guess what? When the game started, he was really good. I want to see Trent McDuffie go out there and dominate this level of wide receivers. He's saying he's not Juju Smith-Schuster's not there to bully him around anymore. MVS kind of can, but that's never been really his game. He's not a bully ball wide receiver. So they don't have guys that can just box him out and just be bigger than him. I want to see Trent McDuffie dominate during one-on-ones during the team drill. So that way it doesn't, won't make me feel worse about the chiefs wide receivers, but I'll feel better about the secondary and where I think kind of his upside is taking him. I remember last year, Trent McDuffie actually got a lot of reps against, you know, bigger, taller receivers. It seemed like a very intentional plan to try to just, you know, expose him to that. And I think it all benefits him in the long run. Um, Mine. All right. So there's two guys that I'm, it's not training camp battles. It's training camp storylines. It's, it's Brian cook and it's Leo Chanel. I weirdly, the guy I might be most excited to watch is Leo Chanel the linebacker from Wisconsin. And, interesting. Okay, it's just, this is such an interesting group because the Chiefs added linebacker depth, but Leo Chanel got done playing his best game as a Chief in the Super Bowl. And he 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 came on strong as the season went on. Late in the year, he looked a lot better. The athleticism started popping. The explosion in power started popping as he was displacing offensive linemen even in the Super Bowl as a run blitzer, getting downhill. And then you saw him flash a little bit in coverage where he got mossed by Dallas Goddard, but the coverage was perfect. The process was good. The, the body positioning was good. He The instincts were, were, were firing and kicking. He was reading. I just want to know his fit on this team this year. Is it just base? Is it, you know, do they find a way to utilize him a little bit more? You know, he, the arrow's pointing up for him. And I'm a little bit more like, I think I've said it at some point here. I'm not sure that that Leo Chanel can't take some opportunities away from like a Willie Gay because just there's too much, there's too much depth on this off on, on this, in this linebacking group where Willie Gay is the one guy they don't seem to trust entirely. And the rest of the group seems to, you know, look like Leo started to earn some trust. Obviously Nick Bolton and, and Drew Tranquil is getting a lot of positive reviews from the, tr- the coaching staff. Like, I don't know. I it's like the Leo Chanel Willie Gay battle almost is something I'm just kind of monitoring because like I could see Willie Gay's role becoming diminished with the rest of this group pushing him. Yeah, I don't disagree um, with any of that, and I think Leo Chanel can you know arguably do some of the same stuff that Willie Gay can. It, it's tricky because Willie Gay also has some really good flashes in coverage. And I don't know if you're going to ever get there with Leo Chanel. I know we were talking about, you know, no. he had a couple nice plays against the Eagles in coverage, but he still looks really uncomfortable. And even that play was, you know, him getting sucked up into play action and then just being super athletic and getting back in into the way and making a very difficult pass. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great coverage player. And some of what Willie Gay has done that's been really good has been his ability in coverage. But now you have Drew Tranquil that's maybe being able to overlap some of that those roles. And then you get Leo Chanel who can do a lot of the same stuff that Willie Gay can do against the run game in terms of being a physical hammer, coming downhill, shooting gaps. 
there is definitely a path that between the two of them, they really eat into Willie Gay snaps. And, you know, uh, watching Leo Chanel, Andrew Tranquil, and Willie Gay at training camp, you might start to get indications that Willie Gay is a little bit further down the depth chart than we would like, given his athletic profile and some of the promise he's shown. So, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. When the Chiefs trot out their first team base defense, who is it that's out there? When they go to the second team, where's Willie Gay playing? Is he part of it? I assume he's probably going to be out there in, in, in some aspect. And if he isn't, you know, that's notable. But if he is, where is he playing? There's, just, there's a lot to take away from where these guys are going to line up when they go through this stuff and who might get some uh, reps once the real season starts. And just uh, just, just Drew Tranquil being thrown into the mix is just, it's kind of, you got to start piecing things together a little bit, right? Like, I know at some point it just was like the contract made too much sense, but like that is a skill set that this defense did not have, but it's also a skill set that they wanted Willie Gay to have. So... that's and he just hasn't had it i don't think to a consistent level which is what it seems like when you look at how they've used him and all that so um that's kind of you know i don't know antennas up like i said real quick just with brian cook like i'm just really excited to see his progression where he slots into this whole thing mike edwards is mike edwards playing ahead of him that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm very fascinated to see. Looks like it. Look at Brian Cook and and Justin Reed, like the bulked up Justin Reed of your safeties. Sheesh. Like this is a nasty group in the back seven. This is a big, physical, nasty back seven. Like density and power and physicality for days, and especially in between the hashes. What's your next storyline, Maddie? Uh, this is my last one here. Um, who the final DB spot? I mean, the, mm. de- the, de- the depth of the defensive back room, right? Okay, so Justin Reed and Brian Cook, you mentioned there. They're your starting safeties. Uh, Mike Edwards and then Shamari Connor are probably making the roster, right? Yes. There's there's four safeties. Uh, corners, Trent McDuffie, LeJay Sneed, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams. You know, there's four guys there, so that puts you at eight. What do these last two spots look like? Nizzy Johnson, Nick Jones, Deion Bush was brought back. Like, how does the rest of this shape out? Is it nine guys that they keep? Do they keep 10? Who's on the outs? Where's the special teams reps going? So like, I think that's definitely where I got my, which one of these guys, the Nazee Johnsons, the Nick Jones, and even a Deion Bush, who's popping out in camp? Not, you're not going to say who's popping on special teams from watching training camp, but who looks good in their reps? Who looks like they might be able to provide a little bit as a depth defensive back? Does one of them maybe get some return duty? Who's lining up as gunners and vices with the first team special teams units? You can probably get a pretty good idea of how it's going to play out once things get rolling. And I just, that's something I got my eyes kind of locked into is I think they might have a little bit of a battle there on the back end of this uh, defensive back room. It might not be quite as simple as it has been the last couple of years. It's yeah. And what is, is Nazi Johnson a safety? Is he a cornerback? Uh, Nick Jones. Like I think, I think, you know, perfect world. They get to keep 10. I don't know if they're going to get to keep 10, but like the way Dave Tobe talked about Nazi Johnson and Nick Jones, you know, it seemed like both of those guys are in their plans. Uh, Dave Tobe called Nazi Johnson, the best gunner in the NFL late in the season last year. Like he said that at the end of the year, Nazi Johnson was the best gunner in football. And I, I'll tell you what, I watched a little bit of football. I watched a little bit of special team snaps. And I tried to watch Nazi Johnson specifically. Pretty good. Uh, as far as, but as far as upside, as far as upside for, you know, the defensive side of the ball, I think Nick Jones might 
provides you a little bit more. And so that's where, you know, some of these questions are going to be interesting. How they use Nazi Johnson. Is he a depth safety? Is he a cornerback? Nick Jones. Like I think that the Nick Jones and Nazi Johnson are the front runners. And I don't think Dion Bush, I think Dion Bush is on the outside looking in as of right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes up. You know, the thing I keep looking at with this group, with this entire roster, and I know we're, you guys are going to be making some roster predictions next week. Chiefs could have a very good practice squad and very good practice squad depth uh, where you could see some guys get called up and contribute and actually contribute. I am very excited because like some of those guys we just got done talking about, I bet you at least one of them doesn't make the team. Maybe two. And so if they can Ooh. hold on to those guys... When's the last time the Chiefs had two guys poached off their practice squad? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think, well, it, it doesn't happen that much. And that's why I no, like, that's it doesn't. Saying, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think a couple of those guys couldn't make the team. And that yeah. means they're probably on the practice squad because you don't see a ton of teams unless they're really, really, really bad, like the Chiefs were a few years ago, just trying to turn their roster over, figure it out on the fly. They know they're taking their lumps. You know, it's just it doesn't happen where you know a bunch of practice squad candidates are just getting sniped anyway. Anyway, these days, so yeah, Is that all you got? Uh, yeah, that's that's my last one for now, buddy. I know you're tired of talking defense, so uh, I'll let you escape on that one. My brain hurts from all of this uh, defense talk, but uh, yeah, we're getting really, really close to uh, to the Chiefs reporting for training camp. I believe Mahomes might even get there like tomorrow, potentially. I think it's either this Tuesday or next Tuesday. Things are heating up here. Cannot wait. We're all excited. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks everybody that's hanging out with us. A lot of you hanging out. It's it, it's starting to look like it's starting to look like the season again because we're getting a lot more people watching live. So uh, fans are getting excited too. I, I think there's reason to. Uh, we'll be here at KC Sports Network covering all of it. Thanks. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.